Welcome to iFoster Futures. Sarita here, and I'm with my co-host, Kiara. Oh, <laughs> hey, Kiara, how are you? you I'm must doing be good. Oh, good. You must be so excited about our guest today. Uh, didn't you just graduate with a degree in theater and performing arts? Yes, I sure did. And I'm so happy that I can pursue of getting my major and doing something that I love, which is like performing as an actor or just being a dancer. It's just a good thing to have. That's wonderful. Well, today's guest it has an incredible, incredible story to share with us. Uh, Roman Vaca is a ballet dancer. He's an award-winning choreographer and entrepreneur who created his own dance company. So absolutely incredible. Uh, but that's not it. He also is a Marine and he fought in that in that horrible battle in Fallujah, Iraq. He, he was a Marine in Iraq uh, and uh, then came back and uh, created this dance company that um, provides a positive, a positive outlet for veterans suffering from PTSD. So from professional dancer to Marine Corps, and now melding the two into an organization with a higher purpose, serving those who have served, that's just phenomenal. I mean, Kira, as an actress, how do you, what do you think about an organization like this? I think it's beautiful and how um, just mixing the two of just uh, performing and telling a story is just such a good energy and it relieves stress for people that's going through PTSD. So the fact how you could perform and just express yourself is such a good feeling that you can put on stage. That's fabulous. Well, um, we are super excited. Uh, let's meet our guest. Roman Baca. When I got back from Iraq, I was angry, struggling with depression, anxiety. I was at the end of my rope. I didn't see this. Other people saw the effects of war in me. My wife was afraid of who I was. She said, if you could do anything in the world, what would you do? Rohan, thank you so much for joining us today. I think it's 5 p.m. of where you're at. By the times of us, it's 9 in the morning. But we appreciate um, you joining us. So welcome. And we just wanted to start off with, like, topic of today which is um being a professional dancer like you're classically trained in ballet and you're a choreographer so what drove you to become a dancer um, um first of all thank you for having me um so happy to be here so happy to talk to all of the students and the young people that i foster serves i it resonates with me because I had a troubled childhood growing up. My family was divorced when I was young. I lived all over the United States. And uh, one of the things that resonated with me when I started talking with you is that you said how a lot of foster children take on the responsibility of looking after their siblings. 
And I think my sister and I had that similar relationship doing a lot of traveling on our own. We became very close because it was just the two of us um, often. So I am absolutely honored to talk to uh, you and to your community. Thank you. And you asked a question. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah, no, let's start at the beginning. Uh, Kiara was asking, what drove you to become a dancer? And and not just a dancer for the passion of it, but to be a professional dancer. That's a whole other level. Um, I So I grew up, as I said, kind of all over the United States. And it wasn't until around the time I was ready to leave high school that I made the decision to start taking dance classes. I, it's something I was passionate about. I had a very good friend in high school that was a ballerina and I was amazed by all of her stories about being on stage and learning the choreography and doing the partnering. And so when I had the opportunity, I started taking the normal load of jazz, ballet and hip hop in a, in a local studio. And it was amazing because I, the, the dance teacher that I started studying with was a musical theater choreographer. And so I started almost immediately on stage in musicals, uh, professionally produced, like Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, West Side Story, Guys and Dolls. And I got this love for being on stage and performing. I gravitated toward professional ballet because it was intellectually challenging. It was physically challenging. And like Kiera said, you have the opportunity of sharing a story through this language that is so recognizable by pretty much everyone, the language of movement. And I started studying professional ballet and I had this great opportunity to do ballets that were socially themed right off of the bat. We were doing um, ballets that were based on George Orwell's 1984. Uh, We were doing ballets about the German concentration camps and the children that live there. We were doing ballets that spoke to things that were going wrong in the world and and had this vision of how we were gonna change them. So I loved doing that. And so I I committed to studying ballet professionally and going on a pre-professional track. And then I started getting hired um, as a professional guest artist and and a danced for a couple of of ballet companies, New Mexico Ballet Company, Connecticut Ballet Company, and others, uh, doing basically the ballet canon of of Swan Lake, Sleeping Beauty, putting on white tights, dancing with ballerinas and tutus, um, the whole deal. Roman, that is just so exciting to me because I feel like we have so much in common where like, high school I also did like jazz hip-hop and cheer and then just the fact of you had to perform in like musical stuff that's how you start off is incredible and being in that field of just doing ballet it's it's not easy like it's very it's a very different type of dance it's not like one two step there's so much that flows with it and it's so beautiful and it tells such an amazing story of just how you choreograph it so yeah it's not an easy career to have and so people like become professionals at it it's only like a few because it's not not that crazy but like it's complicated but 
some of our like many young people listening, like myself, who is inspired by your story, um, what you can tell us about people who are pursuing and performing arts and how did you do it? Like, what were some obstacles that you overcome? Um, I, I, I like to think of the performing arts as one of those disciplines that is um, touched by God. Like there is this power to it and there is this commitment that it requires that transcends anything that we can think about on a, on a physical level or on a, on a kind of academic level. It's, it, it's incommunicable, it's powerful, um, but it's also really, really challenging, as you said. And I, so I ran a, a ballet company a couple of years ago, and, and you're, you're pretty much typical ballet company, as you would think, uh, that had a pre-professional training program, and then we did professional ballets alongside. And one of the things I told my kids who struggled often with that decision of whether to be a dancer or to commit to something else was... It's, it's not just dance that you're learning. And you're learning this wonderful tool that you can use to communicate so many things to people. And it's a tool that can be used in so many different arenas. And so every once in a while, I would bring in people much like this to talk to my kids about what they could do with their dance and theater education. And um, we had public speakers come in. We had people who were combining their theater training with uh, healthcare. Um, a, a dear friend of mine works at the Mayo Clinic in Phoenix, Arizona, and is the director of the humanities and healthcare program out there. Um, we've had people come in who have connected theater to helping others and to contributing positively to um, several ills in society, like working with people in prisons or um, working with refugees. So there is so much out there that the performing arts can offer anyone who is really committed to them that is not just the typical route of um, being talented and going into a company and performing these ballets or, or theatrical productions that are well-loved and, and well-done. That's, that, that's, I've never even thought of that, but, but what you say so resonates. But now tell me, Roman, how did you then translate that to, to from our perspective? From our perspective, it looks like you just dropped all of that and became a Marine and went to Iraq. Uh, but tell us, there's got to be some continuity there. Like you're going to tell me that that theater exists in Iraq uh, during the <laughs> zone. So, so go for it. <laughs> I, I love that because you're right. I, I was young um, as a professional dancer and I was dealing with so many complicated feelings. Um, I had grown up performing these ballets that were so socially conscious, but then more of the work that I was doing was aimed at just putting people in seats in a theater and, and doing stuff like Swan Lake, Sleeping Beauty, um, that was not fulfilling. It wasn't scratching that itch that I had to serve others and to be of of uh, good and uh, do good in this world. And 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 the perception of being a male ballet dancer was wearing on me psychologically and 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 emotionally. 
And so I thought, what could I do that could be completely different from performing in ballet and that could kind of prove something to these people that were kind of disparaging because of, of the profession I had chosen. And I thought, well, I could be a Marine and I could learn all these tools to, to help others around the world. Um, it was a naive view at the time, um, but it was something I was committed to. And so I joined the United States Marine Corps. I ended up serving in Fallujah, as you said, in 2005, 2006, and I was so impacted by the work that we were doing. Um, just dealing with these difficult and dangerous environments while we were interacting with the locals on such a, a, um, a very small level. We would go into the local villages and we would talk to the people and we would try and develop relationships and try and help them in, in whatever way we could, either by delivering school supplies to the local schools or by encouraging the locals to contact us if something was going wrong so that we could give them some sort of assistance. And as we know, that always didn't always play out in the best scenarios, but the small Marine unit that I was with, we were committed to doing good in these areas. So uh, it, it's very interesting to hear you talk about committed to doing good because I, 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 to be honest, I, from an outsider's perspective, we didn't hear a lot of that going on in Iraq at that moment in time. What we heard is that that was the bloodiest battles that existed in the Iraq war. And so it's, it's, it's very heartening to hear that, that on the ground you were doing good. And, and so I ask you, is that really what you take away from your time in Iraq? Y yes and no. Um, there were some really dangerous and harrowing experiences that we went through alongside the, the humanitarian efforts that we were contributing to. And I think the, 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 if there were a couple things that I took away from Iraq, one was dealing with the locals that we could actually talk to, the interpreters and their families, and seeing the impact that this war was having on them. Um, their families were threatened. They risked their lives every day to help us in the ways that they were helping us. And two, the impact on the local people in the villages. It was, you know, seeing people living in those conditions and trying to live a normal life while, you know, these Marines are like driving all over their lawns is the best picture I can paint of that. <laughs> and trying to do the missions we were tasked to do while trying to, you know, keep the locals from um, badly being impacted by it. Uh, so I came back with this very conflicted uh, experience, um, both good and bad. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about the good and the bad part of it? Because let, let's be authentically real uh, with, with with our audience and our viewers. Uh, it, it's um, it, there is good and bad in in everything, and something like this, you obviously came back. Uh, back with both. Absolutely. You know, I think the the good memories are are sharing um, culture and stories and 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 ways of life with people from another country. 
And, you know, I, I had the blessing of working with closely with a couple of interpreters that I was able to sit down and have tea with, and we were able to talk about art. And I was, I was able to share with them my dance career. And they were able to come and show me that they had studied break dancing. Well, not studied, they'd, they'd become break dancers in Iraq because break dancing was like um, something to do. And so they would bring me videos of them dancing and of like a traditional Iraqi dancing and we would share stories. And um, that's one of the best memories I have from Iraq. Um, there were some really challenging times, I think, of not only trying to work within a unit of um, individuals who had, you know, who were struggling with the same things I was struggling with, with trying to have a, a positive impact in the place that you were and trying to make that place a better place, only given the tools you were given and, and only given the, the permission that you were given. And so, you know, we were dealing with, we were dealing with a lot of harrowing situations with, you know, people we had captured or people that were trying to get on base and we had to, um, we had to deal with. Um, and so a lot of these scenarios play over again in my head of, you know, we, did we do the right thing? Did we handle that situation in the right way? Um, you know, when two truck drivers showed up in the middle of the night and they're crying because they can't get home because they'll get hijacked on the road and they just want some protection. And you're trying to, you know, get your command to give you permission to allow these guys to like come on base or to figure out the situation in a way that, you know, allows them some protection. And looking back on that and trying to, again, just trying to make sense of it, number one, and trying to feel confident that you did as much as you could to positively benefit that situation with the tools you had. And, you know, I can tell you that most of the times I'm like, well, yeah, of course we did as much as we could with the tools we had. And there are some times when I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I, we could have done more. I definitely hear you about that. We, we talk about that every day at iFoster, you know, are we doing everything we can to support our young people? Did we make the right decision? Uh, with the tools that we have, we would completely understand where you're coming from on that. Well, Kiara. Yeah, I completely agree. And I am thankful that you had, you know, serve and provide all those things um, going on in Iraq. But um, it's, it's hard and stuff. And you, in this world, we just have to do what we can do. And we just look back on it um, as positive as we can, saying that everything, like, works, you know, works. So, um, so when you came back from the war, basically, and you had you had good memories and some type of bad memories. Um, what just came back to you opening a dance company, Exit Twelve Dance Company? Like you just came from the Marines and you just came back this, making this amazing dance company. So, like, tell us about like this unique like company like that you just thought of when you just came back from the military. That's such a brilliant story and a way of putting it, um, because that's not definitely the way it felt. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I got back from Iraq, I was confused, like a lot of people that had just had, you know, extremely pivotal experiences in their life. I had never traveled overseas before. I had never been to another country. And the experiences from Iraq left me with this, with all these questions of what do I do now? You know, I'm getting out of the military. I, I don't know if I want to 
you know, go back into the military or what I want to do. And so I tried a lot of things. I, I got a, I, I, I looked to, I looked to examples in my life that I could lean on as kind of a template. And, you know, my grandfather served in the Korean war and, in the army. And when he got back, he settled down with my grandmother, got a good job, bought a house, um, did all those like quote unquote responsible things. And I was like, well, maybe I'm supposed to do that. And so, you know, I got a good job and I, I, I bought a, a condo cause that's all I could afford. And um, I settled down with my girlfriend and, and I wasn't having the best go of it. I, I was angry a lot of the times I was um, dealing with a lot of uh, outbursts and, and it was the first time somebody in my life had told me I was mean. Um, and it took my wife sitting me down and, you know, saying like, I don't like this person. Like, you left to go to the Marines, this happy-go-lucky guy who was full of life and vibrancy, and you came back mean and angry and depressed and anxious. And she's the one who suggested I go back into the arts. And so we just started choreographing um, like ballets again and, and ballets that didn't really mean anything. And we started putting them on DVDs and sending them to ballet companies and saying, hey, will you take a look at this? And and nobody did. Um, <laughs> and so uh, it took a little bit of prodding, but, you know, an, an angel came out of the nowhere, you know, Stephen Mills from Ballet Austin came back with some feedback off of one of our DVDs and said, you know, you need to find something you're, that you are the only one can talk about it and, and something that is aching within you to get out. And, and for me, that was the military experience, this experience that I had just had. And so we pivoted and started putting these, these questions that I had described to you on stage to take a closer look at them. And so, you know, we, we put on stage this altercation that a bunch of our guys had with a local um, at the gate to, to probe that a little more and to kind of open it up to, to public scrutiny by the audience. And this other interaction I had with, um, you know, a young man and, and, and this young woman in a car with a baby where we were supposed to search the car. And um, I had this conflict of, of, of conscience where I was ordered to take the woman out of the car so we could search it. But I didn't want to because she looked like she was scared out of her mind holding her young baby. And, you know, all of these things that just left me wondering, did I do the right thing? Did we do the right thing? Um, I started putting on stage and started doing it in uh, theaters in New York and Connecticut and started telling these stories that I thought needed to be told. And that started growing into a dance company where we started talking about these experiences that all these military individuals were having, all of these people around the world were having because of these conflicts that go on and, and started telling their stories. That's basically like just incredible how you just came from the military and you you were going through it and you felt like it wasn't it was not making you feel good and you're I'm happy that your wife just brought you back to like the arts and stuff and I'm happy that just brought you so much joy and when you mentioned how um, you told people's stories like people veterans experience and one of them that came to that we want to talk about, about uh, PTSD, um, uh, foster youth from 
that goes through it as a child, they mostly suffer from PTSD. And some studies suggest that a formal foster youth are twice as likely um, to get it um, as a U.S. veteran to experience that in adulthood. So um, how have you like found dance and even more broadly, like how art can just deal with PTSD and um, what can you say about that of just bringing it out to other people who's dealing with it? Traumatic experiences are, are transformative. Um, personally, I most people have flashbacks from war. Um, I had flashbacks in war. I was having flashbacks of things that happened during my childhood that were traumatic when I was in Fallujah. And I was calling mom and I was like, did this did this really happen? Like I'm having this vision and this memory and it's freaking me out. And, you know, did this violence happen to me when I was a, a child? And she, you know, we had some really hard conversations um, about my childhood. Um, and so I've become passionate about helping people um, kind of associated to this word of, called trauma and to this, uh, this phenomenon. And like you said, you know, we work with veterans and they, if they don't have PTSD, they're dealing with, you know, moral injury or other invisible injuries that they come home from service with or, or physical, real physical injuries. Um, and I mean, to, to kind of lay on top of that in 2012, I had an opportunity to go back to Iraq and do a dance workshop with Iraqi kids. Um, they weren't kids. <laughs> They were like 16 to 24 years old, but you know, 30 young people who have known nothing but war their whole lives. Um, before the US led Iraq war, there was the Iran Iraq war, there was the Persian Gulf war. Um, these children had just known like nothing but war. And it, they would tell you like, we just want everyone to know that we're just like them. We want to grow up in someplace safe, not have to worry about walking down the street and stepping out a bomb. And we want to, we want to get into theater or dance and we want to live a good life. And so we turn that into a dance. Um, veterans too, we bring them in the dance studio and we take these experiences that are so hard for them sometimes. And, and we help them transform it into this dance or, or theatrical envisioning where they can start communicating all of these things that are vexing them and that are troubling. Um, I'm, I'm currently doing research into kind of the connection between movement, trauma, and the war experience. And so what I can tell you is that um, trauma is embodied a lot of the times. Like one of the reasons trauma is so hard to get rid of is because it doesn't just vex the body. I mean, the mind, it lives in the body. The body remembers it. And my theory is and my research and the reason I do this is because I believe that things like dance, things like imagination, creativity can work to create a new way of living, a new way of understanding, a new way of, of moving within the body and the mind that can help us move past that trauma and, and, and kind of live in a different place um, or to find a way of working, moving and thinking that, that helps us move through life alongside the trauma that we've experienced. You know, what I like about dance so much, is just like, 
there's people that go through so much of trauma where it's hard for them to express and tell their stories to other people. With performing arts, more like theater or just dance and stuff, you can just express yourself. And as an audience, you just feel that energy of what they're putting out to the stage. And it makes it so beautiful. And it, it shows that you're telling your story and they get it without you expressing it. That way you don't have to, you know, you know, say it, you know, like you could just put it out there on the floor and it's so beautiful. And the fact how you are a choreographer and you have these stories, it's, it probably must be like very good and simple, not simple, but like easy to, relate to people who are going through um, traumas of being a veteran and stuff. And you can put that all on the dance floor. So I I applaud you of doing that because choreography isn't just like you pick a song, you think of the steps and stuff. You can do so much just with it. Like, and it's, it's such a good like art for just this society. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think just piggybacking on what you're describing I think there's a large component of it that reminds us that we're not alone. Whether we're in the studio creating with other creators um, or other people or other communities or resurrecting these pieces of art that have been created hundreds, couple of hundreds, thousands of years ago that are basically the same stories we're telling, but told by different people who have experienced them in other places or other times. And while that can be hard to relate to, I think one of the things that gives me comfort is, wow, these people experienced it too. I'm not alone. Yeah. Roman, I think that's, that's precisely it. It's, it's, you're not alone. And you can tell a story through dance and it's art, it's beautiful, even though it could have actually been something very horrible and traumatic. And I think that there's such healing power in it. Uh, And for all of our audience, any one of you who are into the performing arts or just art itself, uh, I think uh, you need to replay this and listen to what Roman is saying, that there is healing in art, there's beauty out of ugliness, and that's what art's all about. So thank you, Roman, so much for, for spending time with us today. That that was just wonderful. And uh, Kiera, I am waiting for uh, your next performance. <laughs> we need to, <laughs> I, your path has been laid out by Roman. You can, you can uh, follow in his footsteps. Oh, yeah, Kiera, please share any videos with me. I'd love to watch. Um, and I usually, truly- yeah. Definitely, it's truly yeah. been an honor. Well, thank you so much. And um, uh, I will be Googling uh, Iraqis breakdancing uh, with Marines to see what can come up from that. And all of you audience, uh, please remember it all starts with uh, just getting your core job skills in place. Yes, uh, performing arts does require core job skills as well. Uh, So um, remember we have all our self-directed trainings, our self-care packages are also available online at ifoster.org. So thank you very much. And we'll talk to you next time on iFoster Futures. 
Access iFoster self-directed job skills training at our website, www.ifoster.org, or on your iFoster app.